Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Where the fuck have you been? God damn it. I thought we said 1130. Oh my God, you're beautiful. Nice to see you. <laughs> For the record, it is 1130 sharp. You do the yoga? just do the Pilates. I'm a Pilates guy, but I'm, I, you know, I vary it up like you. I don't stick to one yeah. particular vibe, you know, yeah. because otherwise I get bored. I get, it's not, not even bored. I, I get so used to it that it, my body doesn't really respond to it if you do the same uh, repetition. It's yeah. like everything. It's like, what music do you listen to? Do you like Led Zeppelin? Do you like uh, Ahu's bass playing or whatever, you know? <laughs> I mean, you look great. No, thank you. You do. I love your outfit. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is a 1964 Pierre Cardin black velvet suit. Unbelievable. 64. Yeah. yeah. So. And you got leather pants on. How can you tell? I don't know. I just noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Man, those boots too. John Lennon boots. No, I'm I'm a fanatic for that style. For style. Yes, but don't let's 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 talk and you know when we can when the we already are. Uh, is this the gig right yeah, now? Yeah, we're already doing. It. Oh <laughs> my god! When you came down, <laughs> is that right? And I love the purple nails too. Okay, so yeah, uh, uh, I love clothes. I love style. Mm-hmm. I don't like repetition, which is interesting because I do little Stevens Underground Garage, which is essentially the same playlists. Yeah. But the same I have playlist a, as what you you uh, don't we play. I play the same songs, you know, the Drifters and uh, Sam Cooke and mm-hmm. Howlin' Wolf and Lead Belly mm-hmm. at, at Little Stevens Underground Garage, you know. And and the vibe of that is, I've been doing it six years. So if you're playing the same songs mm-hmm. for six years, yeah, you have to make sense of it. And the way I made sense of it was that it is a mantra. Oh right. Which you repeat. Yeah. And you, if anybody knows anything about fucking mantras, it's you, Joseph. Me, yeah. right? so, I've been into those. Right. So my mantra is Jumping Jack Clash, essentially. Uh-huh. Or, or Benny King or Lead Belly or, or whatever it happens to be. But I hear it differently every time. Uh-huh. And the other thing is, is that it's, uh, it's comforting. In what way? Because it's an old friend. Yeah. It's, it's three chords and it's an old friend in three chords. Yeah. S- which is a fascinating thing when you think about it. If it's true, you know, I've done a lot of Shakespeare when I was a kid uh-huh. as an actor. Yeah, and every time I would I would play, I played Hamlet, I played Macduff and Macbeth, I played. You know, I've done a lot of it, and the and the similarities are that when you write something that it was is so dense, mm-hmm. or the music is so beautiful, then it means something different as you age, as mm-hmm. you change, the music changes, mm. or the movie changes, or the painting changes. Yeah. You know, one day the Mona Lisa is grinning, one day the Mona Lisa is weeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's up to you, you know. One day she forgot her car keys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one day she forgot her car keys, indeed, you know, on a da-da level, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are you, what's bringing you in New York right now? Stephen Van Zandt. 
Oh, okay. Essentially. It's his birthday today. Oh, so Happy birthday, Stephen Van Zandt. Shout out, Stephen Van Zandt. And, and tomorrow night, we are um, going to this gala for him at the Hard Rock because he's for his work, his activism in teachrock.org, mm-hmm. which is getting instruments into schools for kids. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And Rock and Roll Foundation, which is unbelievable because what he does, he has teachers come to every gig. His... Mm-hmm itinerary for his last tour of America was cities that teachers are either on strike or about to be on strike. Mm. Imagine that. That's wild. As opposed to the biggest venues, the most money, all of that bollocks. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is so dedicated to the idea of music and schools, which has been castrated by you-know-who, the ginger monster. Mm. Um, uh, the gingerbread man? <laughs> he who shall not be named. And, uh, you know, so he's very, 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 uh, you know, like into that. And, mm. uh, and it's a beautiful thing. I want to help. Well, come. Come with me. You, you can be my guest tomorrow night. Okay. If you want to come to the, I, where is it? The Hard Rock? Yeah. The Hard Rock. Come. I'd love to. You know, I'm going to give him the cake. It's his birthday today. You know, it'll be really fun. And Southside's going to play. Southside Johnny and Asbury Juice. Are you going to play? Um, no. No, no. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just simply be there because um, I flew in specifically to show my homage to the guy mm-hmm. who had put me on the radio. Yeah, well, you're a, a great DJ. Thank you. And a rock and roll star and a fantastic actor. But you know what else I love about you is that you're an inspirational force on social media. Yeah. And uh, I take a lot from that. I, I think... Uh, did you, is that something you decided to do or is that just, did you just follow your gut? I mean, you were quite early on, you know, being an inspiration and, you know, telling people, hey, get in shape. And I love when you say, I love my life because I have a 29 inch waist. <laughs> like, I think that's funny as hell and cool. You know? Well, if you don't, <laughs> if you do it in any other way, yeah. if you don't have a sense of humor about right. yourself spiritually, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I come with jokes, and uh, mm-hmm. but it's also, but it's serious. It's too. making it's like, fun of my own narcissism, which you, I think you know something about. Well, that's a good kind of narcissism. Yeah, the bad I, kind of narcissism is when you try to. Uh, break other people and the bad kind of love is when you don't get fucked so what <laughs> i would say like was about about going to semen retention later semen retention yeah. is actually a the main yogic uh, uh, practice i'm on it i'm on it you and sting though yeah. is not a good it's not a good couple. look what about these? It's not a, those, these the, help with I can't even retention. begin. Okay, let's share shoes. <laughs> these, he is wearing. This is the key to semen retention. No one will have sex Harry, with you when you wear Harry, these. Harry Harry Housen shoe, and this is of course John Lennon's boots. <laughs> but no, but I mean, dig dig this. This is the thing, man. You know, uh, on on social media, you can either create a persona. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody does create a persona, of or. Or you can have fun with that persona, or you can just be yourself. Uh-huh. Now, hopefully, I've become well, the person thanks. that I think I am. Mm. And that person is somebody who got sober in 81. So I was a fucking leper mm. in the rock and roll world in 1981 to get sober. Like, Yeah, right when cocaine really well, was 80s, about to make its huge you know, impact. Exactly. 
So you missed all that. Well, you must have had. Oh, I didn't miss it. <laughs> it missed me, baby. You know? Right. I mean, I just right, didn't right. need it. You know, I'd already done yeah, it. You know, yeah. I'd been a little coke freak. You know, yeah, owned worst. by coke. Oh, give, give me a break. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh. You know, I mean, but so the the difficulty <laughs> for me was dig this is when I came across somebody mm. fucked up and going ego ego Mike don't call me Mike. Mm. would be my first response because I loathe being called Coke. I, I go, mm, uh, no, because I don't want to repeat, you mm. know, my experiences when I was five years old. To, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I mean, the repetition, the grinding repetition, uh. speaking of repetition, mm -hmm. you know, I just thought it was so clumsy and uncool. But, uh, but it was early, so I was a pariah. Mm. But I'd married Miss Pamela. And we had our son. Mm. So that was the loving thing in my life, you know, is knowing that and yeah. having that. And, you know, the 80s were pretty good to me, man. Yeah. You know. What happened? I did Live Aid. Right. And I... That's uh, incredible. I wrote Obsession. Yeah. Which, to this day, you know, keeps me in a style... Like that, I've like become a that we yeah, see now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, keeps you in the Pierre so, Cardin and Murdoch, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, killing people on telly for a living. I mean, it was fantastic. That's Escaping amazing. Death. Yeah. Do you know that the MacGyver? Yeah, I mean, every every episode, like you died, they couldn't find the body, and then you reappear. It's yeah, like, I know it's, it's like so the, symbolic, you know, of one's like life. It's like the um, Sherlock Holmes and Mariachi uh, and Mariachi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's amazing like, experience. I used to, to watch play. that in Israel when I was a kid. Did you? It was on TV. Yeah. yeah. No, all over we, the world. He amazing. You just mentioned that you went to Israel in the 80s. I, I just oh, got yeah. back from Paris, and I'm, I'm, the, the, the Parisians, you know, I go to the flea markets because I'm sure you do too. I, lo I love flea markets. And I would go in Paris, and, and I'd go, Murdoch! <laughs> Murdoch is in the house! You know, and, it, and I thought, wow. Yeah. You know, this is a show from 30 years ago. Yeah. But yeah. because television is all over the world all the time, 24-7. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've done 150 hours of American television. Yeah. So if Seinfeld is played in Norway, you know, I get $2. Right. You know, it's <laughs> you know, in residuals. But it, it, it is an amazing thing. That character, though, has, has you know, stayed. And I do the reboot. You know, I play the uh, same horrible killer yeah. in the reboot of the show, which is also pretty spectacular. Do you like being a villain? It comes very naturally to me. Why do you think that is? Cheekbones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you have a devilish demeanor. Well it's the ing well I look like bat fucking a bat right now. <laughs> but the the vibe of it is in America, if you have high cheekbones and you're mm. English, mm. likely as not you're not gonna be the leading man. Really? Yes. No, because you see, you have to be beefy, mm. and you have you have to be Brad Pitt. Oh, okay. You know the classic. He doesn't uh, have cheekbones. Version. If you study his boat race, as they say in England, which yeah. rhymes with face. Do yeah, you know yeah. about Cockney rhyming? Of course. Slang? Okay. You know Jay Arthur is Cockney oh, rhyming no, slang for, for masturbation. No kidding. Jay and Arthur Peter, Rank. Do you yeah, know Jay why? Because Jay Arthur, Arthur Rank, Rank yeah. was a producer of movies. I love the... Well, of course you do. You, you are Jay Arthur. Well, yeah, Peter Gabriel was like going, you're going to get fucked up in the English press with that. You should just embrace it and call yourself Jay Arthur. And then when I went came out, and I didn't call myself Jay Arthur, I called myself Joseph Arthur, but... 
I would just tell English journalists, like, yeah, and nobody even knew that it was like Cockney rhyming slang for masturbation. It's gone. Yeah, it's, it's gone. gone. I mean, all of the great symbology, and remember this, rock and roll mm. language was created in the middle to late 60s by the Stones and by Brian Jones and by, you know, the obvious icons. And they're all British working class for the most part, mm-hmm. right? The faces and so on. And the secret... Uh, dialogue was Cockney rhyming slang. I'll just tell your viewers, face, boat race. Mm-hmm. But you would say, you've got a beautiful boat. Bristol City, titty, you've got a lovely pair of Bristols. <laughs> I love that. Right? So it was rhyming we slang. We need to bring that back. And it was created, yeah. <laughs> bring bring wank back with Joseph. I love your Bristols. It requires a lot of thought. It, recu- no, well, you know, it requires, bit, it requires, lot. I mean, come on. It does require a lot. <laughs> sophisticated. Okay. It's sophisticated. You've got to learn the language. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's cool though. And you know how it was, how it was invented? Mm-hmm. This is pretty fascinating. It was, it was invented by the East End working class um, boys and girls, men and women, sisters and brothers, to protect themselves from the police. Oh, really? So they so would they have, yeah, because code. everybody's stealing everything. This is post-Second World War, mm-hmm. where people were really fucked up. Yeah. And it was a way of being secretive and not letting the Rosas, which is... Cockney rhyming saying for the, the cops. cops. The Rosses? Yeah. How does Rosses. that one work? Uh, it's too complicated. <laughs> but I. Uh, <laughs> I guess you were right, Peter. <laughs> but it's a, it's it's a fascinating vibe, you know. And <laughs> how and is Joseph Arthur? How does that? J. Uh, J. Arthur. J. J. Arthur, Arthur Rank. Well, J. Arthur Rank was the producer Wank. of British movies. <laughs> it's Cockney rhyming slang. Mm-hmm. So instead of being J. Arthur Rank, it's it's J. J. Arthur, Arthur Wank. Wank. So, so they say, I'm J. having Arthur. a Jay Arthur means, means I'm, I'm having a wank. So his, ne- his <laughs> so next my album... my name actually means master. Yes. I never heard that. <laughs> his next album is called Masturbation yeah. Blues. That's why I had to get into semen retention, man. No fat. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. How long? Um, well, it's, it's been a little while now, like a couple, couple weeks probably since I really... Let one go, so to speak. Now, are you, you talking know? about masturbation or are you talking about I, sex? I don't masturbate. Like, if uh, if uh, if I have sex, I hold it. And then I just do that whole, like, sort of... So, wait a minute. Multi-orgasmic male. There's a book called The Multi-Orgasmic Male. Yeah, I wrote that. I, um... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'm writing a sequel now. I Good. Yeah. I, I need it. Yeah. I need it. Yeah. But the whole thing about semen it sequel, it's called. That energy needs to sort of. What about the girl? Mani- if you don't come, how does she feel? She loves it. Because you keep going on and on and on and on. You can, like, and then you just take a break, and then you, you know, it's like you Oh, get, God, you, don't ever tell this in public. <laughs> Cut this because, because no, it this, kills Sting's career. That's why. No, this is good. Every good wank you take. To, it's good for people to know <laughs> because that energy that you're, the, that energy has to express itself. So, like Nikola Tesla, he was big into semen retention and all that. Look what know, happened like, to him, motherfucker. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, Fair Jesus. Point. But that energy needs to express itself somewhere. So the idea is that you can create like works of genius, maybe start a podcast, you know, that kind of thing. If you don't let it go. I think you're already a genius without a podcast. <laughs> well, which thank is the you, title sir. of your, you know, somebody's book, you know. I'm a genius without a podcast. <laughs> My maid has a podcast, a okay? Yeah. Jay Arthur? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is get monetized, baby. That's, I, well, hey, you know. you're speaking our language. Yeah. By the way, support us on Patreon now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you're speaking our language. How do we do that? Well, you get sponsors, you know. Miss mm -hmm. uh, Pamela, my ex, has got a really um, lucrative gig, you know. But then again, she wrote the most extraordinary book and has an enormous following. You know, I'm with the band Confessions of a Groupie. Yeah. And essentially, and she does all these writing classes. I think you have to go outside of this and... Um, yeah. And talk to people on the road, or maybe get uh, you know call-ins and stuff like that. That 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 that's really effective. Yeah, we're it also is technically difficult because you have to set it up. But you'll find that if you connect with the audience, literally, you know, you'll find that more people will become involved because I everybody agree. wants to get on it. And on we the, need uh, we need to go live and stuff. And that's like, right. Do, like stuff like live that. is is uh, the way to go because I agree. And then you have an accompanying website yeah. that people can write in what they want to ask you. That's true. Right? Mm -hmm. And then you look at the website and you look down at the website and say, Arnold from Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, we did yeah. that in the beginning. We yeah. took audience questions. Yeah, for a second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you combine the two, you know, it's a, hey man, it's a crapshoot, you know. Some people are just making billions out of it. Yeah. You know, a lot of money out of it. And some people are just talking to a select few. You know? Yeah, we're fine, we're fine with this for now. Like, we're going to see how it goes. Where this is episode 51. Yeah. Fifth, uh, 51. 52, 51, 51 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what about Brad Pitt's boat face? Boat race. Boat race. Um, no, I was, ju I was so. just simply making the very simple um, view of what America requires. What does it require? Um, a lot of help mm -hmm. yeah. right now, uh, as we all do. Mm -hmm. And I consider myself American. I came here in 74, and I've been here ever since. Where were you born? I was born in Hove, Sussex, in the south of England. Uh -huh. um, and I went to boarding schools at the age of eight wow. and stayed there till 16. And I didn't know my mother and father, so I stayed in the schools during the vacation period. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I met my mother Heavy. and father later in, Why was when that? I was 30. Uh, my father um, w was uh, a maquis, as am I, uh, an aristocrat. And uh, What's that mean? It means that it's a titled family, 800 years of a title, maquis, a French title. Hmm. And uh, unfortunately, he embezzled a lot of money and went to prison. Oh. My mother was his fifth wife, who wow. was a, uh, a jazz singer. Incredible. And at 17, he was 50-something. And she... Wow was schizophrenic and was put into an institution. I was raised by her friends um, until I was eight. They put me down for these boarding schools that he went to when I was one years old. Mm -hmm. So all it was all paid for. So I went to these schools, but I stayed there and uh, for eight years. Incredible. Eight, eight to 16. And how did you like? W I read everything. And, and, how I dealt and were you like, did you get into trouble? Like, were you broken by this or were you fine with this or what? Like, so all I knew. What Joseph. did you get? Yeah. Were you loved by anybody? No. Wow. I was abused by many. Wow. You turned out really good, man. I did. Damn, dude. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. But Seriously. the thing about it was, was that I mean, uh, you don't miss something. What is normal is what's happening. That's true. So I, I didn't have the normalcy of, of the parental vibe. Now, yeah. later on, of course, my drug addiction and all of that was a result of perhaps right. that. But I don't really subscribe that to my mistakes. Mm. Uh, right. 
Well, know? and also you got sober. Well, how old were you when you got sober? Or you don't have to say. In that. 1981, I got sober. I was 32, 33, so whatever. You were pretty young still. Like, well, you know, yeah, but not you know, in rock and roll years. Then. At 16, I was eating hashish, you know, right. every day, you know, mm-hmm. which is so interesting because. When I was introduced, you know, from 8 to 16, I was in boarding schools, which is the most masturbatory, hypocritical, homoerotic institution. Mm-hmm. So when I, I left there, was it all male? I was in shock. Yeah. And, you know, and I go right to drama school with the prettiest girls, the prettiest boys, the talented, brilliant, you know, arts, the arts. Mm-hmm. And I was already obsessed with Sonny Boy Williamson and all of the blues guys like everybody else. But that within weeks, I got to sell with love. So this is like 66, mm. 65, 66. And um, that movie was colossal and made us stars, those kids in wow. that classroom with Sidney Poitier. And therefore, we had access to every club. I saw the Yardbirds, I saw the Animals, I saw the Nashville Teens, I saw, you name it. And this was in? This is in the late 60s. In London? In London. So, so you were already kind of a star. Yeah, there was, and I was on telly all the time, playing punks and, you know, throwing bricks through windows. No, please don't, no. You know, I mean, I did a million things. Uh, Plays, I did this musical. When I was, it ended up me doing this nude musical in London called The Dirtiest Show in Town. Yeah. And it was produced by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Robert Stigwood. This is incredible. Right, so I'm doing this thing. I'm playing an androgynous rock star what a shock mm-hmm. um, a called called rose <laughs> and it's nude we're nude totally nude totally nude and for the first three weeks of rehearsals everybody fucked everybody and for the two-year run everybody did. hated each other's <laughs> guts really well of course nobody fell in love everybody was not um, retaining their semen god they should have practiced semen retention <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't it's and we didn't i have the stains no, to no prove fucking. it <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Lachaim, man, it's great to see you. So dig it. So there I am. So what happens? Andrew Lloyd Webber comes, sees the show, mm-hmm. and he just written, you know what, you know, superstar with Tim Rice, Jesus Christ superstar. Wow. So I end up singing Judas on the demos, and he goes, well, you should be in a band. Yeah. So, so Ian Gillen like was you. singing. I think he was, he ended up actually singing Judas. He was in Deep Purple. Andrew put me on Purple Records. Right. I'm now in Purple, I'm now a rock star with my own limo. And how old is that? I'm now 20. That's unreal. And then, and then he goes, okay, so you need a band. I thought, I had no idea about rock and roll, how it worked. I didn't play an instrument. I didn't, couldn't write a song. I didn't know anything about it, mm-hmm. except I loved the music, you know. Mm-hmm. I thought a PA was a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. I had no idea, what, <laughs> you know, what the yeah. fuck. So then we had to get a band. So we put an ad in the Melody Maker, which I'm sure you're very familiar with and yeah, have been in. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you have and you deserve to be in there. Um, and we put this ad in saying wanted erotic musicians right. and these youngins showed up and, and the first five beautiful skinny, which was really my only criteria was thinness. Yes, thinness. Yeah. You love the thinness. Love it. Why do you love thinness so much? Because there's no fat. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys come in <laughs> and we play and uh, what do you want to play? Oh, I don't know. Um, you know, you really got me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. then just, just just burst out of me like a lion. Yeah. And I could sing. Yeah. You know, and I'm very loud singer, you know, very raspy and soulful and Steve yeah. Marriott and all of that crap, right? Yeah. Because I loved it. And as an actor, I would act Steve Marriott. Oh, okay. I see. Which taught me how to sing. Mm-hmm. So, and then within months we'd made a record, we were in Japan. Right. You know, all covered in makeup and mime. And this is... Because I went to Lindsay Kemp and studied mime with Bowie. Yeah. You know, I knew that world backwards and forwards. I was in drama school. Ronnie Wood, you know, Mitch Mitchell was my mate in, dr- in drama school. You're kidding. And, and he says one day, he says, look, I've got this black geezer. He's like left-handed and he's, he's fucking amazing with the mm-hmm. wah-wah pedal. He's yeah. unbelievable. You've got to come see him. Yeah. And I go to the mucky and guess who, you know. Hendrix. And there's Jimi Hendrix. My favorite. With 200, me too. Yeah. And there's 200 people in there. Ten of them are Jeff Beck, Pete Townsend, and so on, looking at this phenomena that was about to hit them. Right. And you know the funny thing about that? All these guitar players in England, Townsend, all the great guitar players, the next day they all went out and got a perm. Right. All of them got curls. And it was all from Dylan, really, wasn't Hendrix? No, it was Jimmy, it Jimmy. Was Jimmy. What is that? I That's don't the know. pipes in the heat. It'll stop. Oh, okay. New York City pipes. Unbelievable. You brought in a percussionist? Yeah. <laughs> so, but did you, did you have any kind of mentor? I mean, I'm just kind of trying to get my head around how all this happened to you. There must have been some positive role model or something, or how did this all come about? Well, I studied, you know, um, I read an awful lot. So I was very into Joseph Conrad, you know, and I, I realized... Heart of Darkness? Yeah, I realized what a hero was, you know, and the kind of hero that I wanted to be. And it was very, it was, it, I needed it. Where did that, oh, you needed it. Because I'm like, where did that come from? I guess like self-preservation. Or When I was a kid, I remember thinking, I have to do something great, I have to be great, or I might as well die. I felt like that when I was like in that's exactly, first grade. That's exactly the way I felt. Yeah. I, want, I think like people that come sort of from, you know, challenging backgrounds. Childhoods, yes. Ch- challenging childhoods. Kind of Great can, title. Yeah. I, I um, you know, there was that, and there was also the fact that I had a, just a, a feeling of entertaining. You know, I just wanted mm-hmm. to entertain yeah. Uh, you know, it's the old adage about any entertainer that wants to be loved. You know, I suppose that was literally, you know, being embraced by an audience was mm. something parental on a rock and roll level. Yeah. Three chord parents. Yeah, three chord parents. Interesting. Yeah. I Like, where do you think it comes from, your, like, love of life? I just am an exuberant person. I mean, I will, you know, whatever it is, if it's like a Pinkberry. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll, I won't retain my semen even eating a pinkberry. You, you know don't? what I mean? I mean, it's just that I, I just, I have a great, um, I have the facility to be able to love things over and over. I'm 71 years old. That's amazing, I feel dude. 17 years old. You, I mean, dude. And I love you're the, on fire. all of it. Yeah. I, lo- I, love, I can't believe you're 71. Yeah. That's unreal. It's wild, dude. Yeah. How old is little Steven? Um, he's, he's 70. Yeah, SVC is 70. But, you know, what's interesting now mm-hmm. is realizing that I am that and the changes that your body goes through. I'm not fighting anything. And I suggest that you're not either. You're jo- enjoying the whole notion of hot yoga and mm-hmm. all of the work you do on your body and your health mm-hmm. and your spiritual life. You take very seriously. Mm-hmm. I do too, but 
I'm wearing eye makeup. Yeah. I mean, and I say that only because of the burlesqueness of my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Is it's not a scientific situation. Right. It's a very kind of uh, cerebral. You know, it's like mm, Peter Pan meets Tarzan. Yeah. Well, you're ageless. <laughs> you are. Thank you. I mean, it's absolutely true. So, so you're finding yourself, and you're in Japan, and you got the band, and you're acting, and and then then what happened? You're 20. Well, I moved to you know I come to the Whiskey Gogo with this tiger. You know, I had a tiger. How old were you? Like, what was what? I just saw that on your social. Yeah. You with that tiger, and you're like, I love that tiger. That was a real tiger. That's a real tiger. Yeah. What the fuck, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Where well, did you get? You had a tiger. I had a tiger. And that's what brought you to America. Who gave, no. Who gave you the what, tiger? What? 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 what well, I'll tell you. What? 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 It's all about is this. Where does one get a tiger? Rodney Bingenheimer. Oh, okay. Meets us at LAX, mm-hmm. the ultimate Anglophile, with a chain, with an absolute three cars, beautiful cars, filled with the most gorgeous girls you've ever seen in your life. Mm. Meets Silverhead, the mighty Silverhead. Mm-hmm. Now, you, oh, oh, this band collectively weighed 150 pounds. There it is with the right. thinness again. You <laughs> love it. You so, love it. So I, I, I've been doing quaaludes for like a week. And I, I, I was just a complete wreck. And mm-hmm. and I got off the plane topless, you know, because we all, all of us walked around with no, no shirts on all the time, which mm-hmm. I've noticed you do. I like Jay that. Arthur. I go for some shirtless vibes. I wonder why you do that. You why know, is that? I don't know. I, I don't just know love either. it. That's I love strange. it too. Yeah. Jay Arthur wanker. Um, <laughs> six pack wanker. This is your album title. But, so, so we're off the plane and Rodney goes, come on, it's all happening. Get in the cars. Wow. Get in the cars. Go to the what con- year is this? This is 72. We go to the Continental Hyatt, the Riot Hotel, you mm-hmm. know, the infamous the Riot, place where Robert yeah. is on the balcony going, the mm-hmm. world is mine. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah. You know, well, That's another story. You know, it was with Zeppelin. I adore them, mm-hmm. those two. Me too. They do not adore each other. But I, um, which is fine. But I, we get there and outside the fucking hotel is a hearse. Mm-hmm. In the back of the hearse is a tiger. Wow. In the front of the thing, the driver is, is a guy with a safari hat on. He looks like Stuart Granger in one of those 60s movies about safaris and Ava Gardner and, you know, that vibe. Mm-hmm. And I say to him, what the, what? And he goes, yeah, the Tiger's the star of a TV show called Daktari, which was a show in the 60s on American television. Mm-hmm. And I go, can I rent it? Mm-hmm. What do you want to rent it for? Because I love Cats, yeah, and, I, and beard is powerful. Were but you it was, thinking like this? This could be like well, I could I be wore, that guy in I'm LA wearing, with a tiger. Yes, like, I'm wearing li- and you, tiger you, skin trousers. Yeah, and you're like, this is my guy. This is it. Yeah. This, is, this is a sign. <laughs> yeah, from the jungle <laughs> of life. <laughs> the that jungle I should, of life. Right, I should have this. So he goes. You know, and we have so much coke and girls, and mm. you know. So he goes. God, I wish I was there. So he brings us all into the hotel. <laughs> of course you do. So there's five rooms. You know, we always had five rooms like the Beatles in, wow. in Help. You know, like yeah. all of them. And, and and no, never slept. Who slept? I didn't. I had a nap in August of '72. You know what I mean? In I terms of the '70s. For a year, one year. Right. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So then you're in an altered reality. Mm-hmm. So therefore, answering questions like, "Why did you get the tiger?" Yeah. Are kind of irrelevant. Exactly. 
But I get the tiger, I bring him up. There's no security in those days. You could go anywhere you wanted, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the girls are there. And and very famous groupies, you know, with their mothers, you know. Wow. This is very hashtag me too. And and it's something that one isn't proud of Mm. um, at all. But then I was 20. Mm. So. Yeah. uh, (laughs) um, So we bring the thing in, the tiger's there. We go to the gig at the whiskey, the first gig. I come on with the tiger mm-hmm. in leopard skin pants going, this is, this is his uncle, you know, right. whatever. So, I, <laughs> so we come, kids packed because of the British press loved us and mm-hmm. all those Anglophile kids, you know, and all these girls literally wearing three sequins, man. Yeah. Maybe four. Mm-hmm. You know, it was unbelievable to look at and see that beauty. Yeah. To see that, because people weren't fat then. <laughs> I, know, I know you think I'm obsessed about weight. I love it, but but the thing is, they, they you know there wasn't that dreadful food, and you know the, it was the, with all of the poison in, which mm-hmm. you know a lot about. I know I you do. do. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I the thing is, it. is that you know, uh, it was it, they were so beautiful, and the tiger comes out first song, takes a dump. <laughs> Oh, well. Shits. Nothing's perfect. On stage, <laughs> in the middle of the fucking song. You probably gave him a bump, that's why. Well, that's right. He's so full of coke. No, no, no. This tiger was on more drugs than I was. Right. And that's a lot of drugs. Oh, okay. they To calm them yeah, down. Yeah, to calm them right? down. So, I didn't know that till later. Otherwise, I would have asked for some. Yeah. But, um, what's the tiger on? You know, Ketamine. I love some of that. But, so what it was, girl, beautiful, blonde, California, naked, Bouquet. I take the bouquet. I shove it in the shit. Ah, uh, perfect. I thought this was the most dada. It's this so is perfect. this is fucking <laughs> great. This is so <laughs> flowers this and Im- tiger shit. Freaking out. That's this is Baudelaire, baby. This is Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> Paris this is, is burning. Right. Paris is burning. <laughs> you know, with the, you can imagine a big mm. dollop of tiger shit Unreal. with a bouquet of California, f- f- you know, flowers. That's life I, in I stopped for like That's five, life. Yes, it's like, I stopped for five minutes just looking at absorbing <laughs> and the band crowds around it. Yeah. Hysterical. Wow. This is in the middle of our first song at the Whiskey A Go Go. Incredible. The stage, the altar. First gig in ch- America? First gig in America, the electric church. Jim Morrison Dude. has stood on this stage and we've got a pile of shit and a fucking bouquet in it. And, you know, I mean, and it was not Glorious. lost on because all of those guys were so amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're very young, but we'd been through a lot already in England, you know. And uh, we realized that things like that, which mm-hmm. don't happen very often, but those moments are, are really moments that I would say to you, you know, in this wonderful podcast with mm. you guys, you know, I would still be, uh, you know, just totally taken by that moment. I found it so important. Yeah. You know, to realize that mistakes. Yeah. Is art, really. That's true. Yeah. That's, so you're not that's thinking. That's where the magic is. You're ju- that's where the magic is, is in the mistakes. That's why I call my new band The Mistakes, you know. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, cool. And we've got these two songs out. We just nominated for best cover. We did "Stop in the Name of Love" by the Supremes, wow. by the uh, in, uh, what is it called? The Independent Music Awards. And I, but I did it at 100 miles an hour. Congrats! Yeah. yeah, it's very exciting. And the other side is "Crackle and Hiss," which is an homage to vinyl that mm-hmm. Stephen put out. And uh, so, uh, and the mistakes is my band. We're going to Japan. 
in February in Russia, going to play, and I'll do Silverhead and songs. Russia. I'll do Power Station songs, you know, and I'll do, yeah, and Russia, Vladivostok, and then so on. And so, you know, what can I say from shit to Shinola? Yeah, why are English people good at rock and roll? Like, so, so many of the best bands in the world are English bands. And Americans have the best Mavericks. The best what? Mavericks. Like, the best, like, solo artists are Americans, usually. Like, Bob Dylan That's a wonderful. That is a wonderful... Like, the bands well, are, like, Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. It's Oasis. the English. Oasis. Yeah, like, I, I, I rate them, too, but... So do I. I yeah. love Liam Gallagher. I love Liam, too. <clears throat> I think Liam Gallagher is the only rock star. Well, Who else I think is he, me and you are kind of rock Well, yeah, sure, me and you. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I wear these. Well, you. <laughs> Let's just say you. He's you, the only bro, one you. with the rock star attitude these yeah. days who's keeping Liam is, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No question. And I, and I love his voice. And I, I, love, I love his fucking... No fucks given yeah. with him. Yeah. Yeah, I love his incredibly, wonderfully... Come on. Because yeah. dig this. When I came along, mm -hmm. and I'm wearing makeup, and this is 1970, and those got boys out there in fucking Atlanta, Georgia would wait for us in the parking lots after those gigs where their fight. girls wanted to fuck us so bad and, mm -hmm. and have some semen mm -hmm. and not retain, retain it. Um, and, 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 but the vibe is that I realized that it, things would change because the, the notion of that American quarterback milk-fed guy mm -hmm. is all they had. But then these sort of androgynous Brits come along as a band, which mm -hmm. you which you uh, asked the question about why British bands. Why British bands? I, I, I think I think there's a tremendous connectivity with um, working class young men. They stick together. Yeah. They're called. They were gangs, but they became bands. Mm -hmm. Now you couple that with art school drama school mm -hmm. and the knowledge of the blues which is a a, a genre of music about the oppressed mm -hmm. the british working class was oppressed this is my view right um so there was a bonding there the groove of chuck berry exemplified by keith initially i guess yeah and elmo james with brian um you know it, it and and mayall being this sort of know-all uh, mm -hmm. of it all uh, brought this together and um, it was more of I think preservation mm. they found something yeah. and they realized that together they were more powerful than apart mm -hmm. in America it's an insular world where you've got a guy in a living room mm -hmm. you know playing that's what's so interesting about Neil Young mm. his career and how he's retained that guy that solo guy mm -hmm. and when he was in bands he'd leave them at the peak of their you know it's a fascinating story but yeah all the British bands evoked and in reinterpreted by America yeah. and who then created their own thing we forgot the who the how who could you like ever forget the who yeah yeah Pete Townsend Great yeah, songwriter. a great songwriter, and everybody knows it. And 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 right from the get go, I mean, if you really study it, you know, I can't explain, is a hymn to the disaffected and and the working class of America. I mean, you know, you know why he stutters? Do you know the story of that? No. So generation is everybody was on speed. Ah. Mm. Uh. And they were called Purple Hearts. Mm -hmm. The drug was called Drinamil. 
and you would drop him and be out for weeks. Right. So you talk like this. Yeah. So Pete, being he's 20, mm-hmm. observing the behavior of young guys and, gr- and girls, um, stuttering made him write that song. Mm-hmm. People tried, trying to get the words out because you're yeah. so fucked up. Do you know why Roger Daltrey joined that band? Roger Daltrey is De Niro to Martin Scorsese. Mm. Townsend is Martin Scorsese. Roger Daltrey is De Niro. Simple as that. Well, Townsend, I guess his dad told him he wasn't handsome enough to be the singer, so he always had that insecurity. Uh, I I think that's ridiculous because he was really cute. He was cute. Um, you know, he had, but his dad told him. It's always about dad, isn't it? Which is yeah. like why I'm so glad I never had one. <laughs> <laughs> if he told me I wasn't yeah. cute enough as singer, I would have shot him. Right. Yeah. I take that back. Well, you never know. Did, so you met him when you were 30, though. Who? My, your, my, my your dad, dad? Yeah, he st- stumbled into the bar. Where? With some teenage girl. And he, with, you know, with... Um, Downers just p- falling out of his pockets. Wow! He just got out of jail. Wow! And uh, and by that time, is this you know, in L.A.? No, this in is England. London. In London. Yeah. How? What was that like? Getting ready to meet him? How? How was that nerve wracking as hell or what? It's a it's a strange thing about nerves, isn't it? Let's talk about that for a second. I don't get nerve wracked. You don't. Uh, no, I don't. Huh. I mean, I think, and that's why I've been able to keep working. Yeah. You know, as an actor. Because actors, it's a very difficult gig. Yeah. Auditioning as an actor is one of the hardest things. Right. You know, because Facing you know. Facing rejection. Well, actually, the 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 uh, audition itself, you've got to prepare for and go in there. Now, you've got to understand that you've got to be able to be in the moment and, and do away with the nervous system. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by the nervous system. If I did an electronica band, I would call it the nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. So I very early on learned to control myself because I had to. I had to parent myself. Yeah. So um, it was, I couldn't wait to meet him. And how did it get set up? Like, oh, just because he the was lawyers. getting out of jail? or The lawyers. The lawyers. Yeah, because of the estate. Oh, there was you an know. estate. There was an estate that they kept when he went to, um, you know, into the uh, into jail. The whole thing was um, shut down. Mm. All of the money that came in for my father uh, was shut down by the solicitors because he was in prison. And you know, my my education had already been paid for. So we ostensibly sat down and said, "Well, what's going to happen now?" And uh, he so it was, was almost like a business meeting. It in, was in a way, yeah, and and. When you say an estate, like what does that mean? Like means money was coming parking in from lots where? and houses and real estate. Oh, because he owned yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. I get it. So his embezzling is so was so odd to me that he had this great life, but he <coughs> but he was defrauding people left and right. Yeah. And why he did that is one of my the great questions of my life. Yeah. Well, and the I, subconscious. You know, you know what it was? Like self destruction. Boredom. Yeah. Boredom. Self-destruction. Boredom. Yeah. It wasn't self-destruction. It was, he was so decadent, this mm. guy. As I learned, listen to this, this is fantastic. He told me a story, I only saw him once in this pub where he came in with this teenage girl and he said, and I, and, and I said, you know, I have a real problem with narcotics. And he said, let me tell you a story. He told me the story of, in, when he was a young man, 
he would go to these little uh, warehouses on the Thames where all the Chinese sailors, you know, come. And there were bunks in these little warehouses mm-hmm. where they would smoke opium. Mm. And they would smoke this opium. And every now and then in these bunks, there'd be a top hat mm. and white silk gloves of an aristocrat, mm. of one of the, w- the well-birthed, you know. And my father was there. And that image is why I was a junkie, you know, in many ways. Mm. It was so romantic. The yeah. way he described it was so sort of decadent and debauched. Which, and I lived that life. What, just smoking opium in bunks? In a bunk. Why is that? Because it had a kind of dream. Mm. Like oh, op- opium dens. Opium is a opium. dream. Yeah, you know, which all the great, all the great writers, you know, and, uh, you know, all of those writers, you know, mm. uh, wrote about Baudelaire. You know, all yeah. of that is all the opiated, uh, fueled stuff. You know, flowers of evil. Well, of course. Yeah. You know, and um, who wrote the Guy de Maupassant? Wrote that, uh, the French French philosopher. But so that I was all in, into the, all of that. You know that world, that philosophy, that beautiful clothes, but fucked up. Like the, mm-hmm. you know, and then that you was exemplified, it. right, and underscored by Keith Richards' debonair decadence. That yeah. uh, and and also the fact that he survived. Yeah, you know, was but, your dad aware of the fact that you had been doing all this fantastic no, stuff? Not really. Was any aware no. of you at all? Didn't, no, he wasn't aware of it. He didn't follow you on Instagram. No. <laughs> <That's a joke. laughs> and my mother, uh, nor, nor was my mother remotely interested in anything. Well, know. she was in, a, in an in asylum. In a loony bin, yeah, yeah. in and out of uh, sanity, you know, on the streets. So when they let her out, she'd give everything away and be homeless. I remember me and Miss P went over there with the baby, our son, and she never came, but she sent in a taxi to the hotel we were staying at a thousand dollars worth of baby clothes wow. in the back of a taxi. Hmm. And I, I, and that was, and we were meant to, we flew there to see her, and but that was her response. It's wild how dysfunctional parents express their love in dysfunctional ways and just try to sort of sneak love through in this kind of way that's like and it's just in a way it just kind of breaks my heart because you know our personality disorders and stuff but somehow we're trying to still be human through that yeah you know what i mean it's god yeah god yeah (laughs) little god shining little god shining through like Mm. your mom expressing love that way and it's dysfunctional and it's fucked up but it's also love yeah in very her much way. So. i found it you the most I mean? loving thing that uh, can you imagine yeah, that it's love yeah it's beautiful it is and beautiful. It's heartbreaking yeah love is heartbreaking yeah but it's also because the stakes are so high what do you mean love is you might lose it you know yeah. and most people feel that way they don't really sink into it and mm-hmm. absorb it they're scared of it yeah it's scary the light is scary they're scared of being with somebody forever yeah. And what is forever? Yeah, forever is just this one kiss. You know, there is no forever. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, definitely, no forever. You know, I have no idea what's next. I mean, if I predicted it, I you know, I don't know. What do you do? You have a like a goal, a God, a faith in God, or anything oh, like that? Oh, I am pray? God. 
Yeah, but do you also pray or anything like that? All the time. Or, yeah. I'm praying now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> do you like do you believe in Jesus or anything like that? I love that? Jesus. Yeah. Me Adore too. Jesus. I yeah. had a conversation with him this morning. Mm-hmm. What'd you say? I was asking him if he knew where I could find the perfect leather pants. Yeah, he hooked you up. Yeah, I was going to say, what's he up to these days, Jesus? Jesus would never let me down. No, no. I mean, I, I, there are certain people. He's one of them. Buddha's another. Krishnamurti is another. Mm-hmm. Pramahansyadogananda is another. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, people I turn to whose work and lives clearly can separate the difference between selflessness and self-realization. Yeah. I don't believe in self-realization. You don't? No. Why not? Because I believe in selflessness. Selflessness. Yeah. I think if you're wrapped up in trying to find out who you are, you will never untie that knot. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Selfless. Not self-realized. Maybe it's semantics, though. Maybe it's the same Well, yeah, but it's a good way of being able to determine the difference between Mm self-obsession and and self-awareness. Yeah. Because they're incrementally tiny inches apart yeah that's interesting hmm and i vary between the two what do you mean self-obsession and self-awareness yeah yeah to be it's so interesting consciousness is what we end up talking about when you're on a metaphysical tip yeah consciousness Consciousness. so what does self-consciousness really mean yeah I don't know. Nor do I. But the way the world Being, describes it is, is you're self-obsessed. Hmm. How oh, he's too self-conscious. His work as an actor, you're too self-conscious. Yeah. Well, if you're not conscious of yourself, what is there to be conscious about? Right. Metacognition, you know that? I do. Yeah. I, but, Where you can but, observe your, be the witness of your own Well, it's Krishnamurti. Yeah. Never judge, observe. Yeah. Observe what's happening in your life. Watch it. Don't judge it. Yeah. It's neither good nor bad. It simply is. Yeah. That's what. That's the absolute tonality of Krishnamurti's uh, philosophies. Yeah. Is is the observer is the observed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just read somewhere that like, there's no proof that consciousness is stemming from our minds. Oh, like, like so the mind is a secondary organ. Yeah. You know what the my my primal organ is? What? My cock. <laughs> no. I knew you my, were soul. Say that. <laughs> my soul. My <laughs> soul. Yeah. My Your soul? Yeah, my heart, you know. I mean, the brain is an organ that mm. just works sometimes. Yeah. And for the most part doesn't. Yeah. So for the most part is your enemy. You think so? I know so. Yeah. Well, that's why I go to mantras cuz the mantras like guide Takes the brain you out of that. in a, in a nice way. Yeah. You know, do you ever listen to Abraham Hicks? No. Oh, Is he a philosopher guy? It's a it's a it's a group of people um that Esther something, I don't know. Abraham Hicks it's like this manifesting person that this lady Esther channels Abraham Hicks, which is actually like a group of people and she like helps people manifest but i was just curious if you no never heard of him were aware of that but uh, what i am aware of is the the, the the that vibe you know there's been a lot of writers and people who have seth speaks for instance was the i think the first superstar of like, Something like uh, that. i am seth and yeah the real name is julian rosenberg right the same um, sort of vibe right so all of that's bollocks you think so? Yeah, because we're all seth you know we're all julian rosenberg you mm-hmm. know it's all one big wonderful 
uh, potpourri of of, um, of of beauty and love and danger and fear. But uh, you know, I, I just choose to live a life of love and and not fear. And I'd rather you know share that because i'm in the position to be able to share it every yeah. day to five million people can right. you imagine that yeah so every show i end with a word like i've been very using the word this week intimacy uh-huh. intimacy is broken down into me you see yeah huh that's interesting into right? me you see that's intimacy. correct that's yeah. called love right that is love so i was people breaking need to be brave down. to be intimate no no. You don't have to be, but no, you, I feel no. Like I do. you have to be brave to go out there and fight and do something that's not right, you know, humanistically. Yeah. That takes bravery. He's a brave soldier. Uh-huh. What a horrible place to be. Mm. Well, you're in a position where you're fighting for your country. Or you're, I feel like putting yourself out there takes a certain amount of bravery. though. No shit. I mean, but it's easy if you, if you just know that um, you, you believe that what you're doing is worth it. Yeah, or is helping other people. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course. Like, listen, I did an interview this morning with some magazine. You mean this is your second interview this morning? <laughs> yeah, and the guy says to me, this is how he opens the, the interview. Sweet guy. He goes, oh, Mike. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> strike one right you know, there. Bro. You know, you're great, man. You know, you're, well, you're so physically beautiful and spiritually beautiful and a great musician. You're a classic rock star. And I'm a, I'm a lousy bass player. I can't write a song. I'm just a piece of shit. But to talk to you, I said, stop. Yeah, that's terrible. What did you just say? Right. And this is the beginning of the interview. I said, you're announcing yourself as a loser? Shit. That... How could you be say that? Yeah. You are what you say you are. Yeah, some people aren't aware how powerful words are. Oh, but isn't it amazing that the guy would carry this around as a self-description to introduce himself to mm-hmm. somebody he's about to interview. That he respects. I'm a piece of shit and you're spectacular. Yeah. You know, and I could... I could I'm not say, worthy. And I said, um, you, dude... Go write a song now, and you know, and 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 be you, and that, that's great. And you don't, you know, you don't have to be uh, Yakko Pastorius to mm-hmm. be, you know. So it, it just suddenly struck me there that I could go in two ways. I could go, oh, thank you, and go on with Indigo, or or say, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I did the the, the former, you know, I mean, the latter rather, the because latter, I yeah. needed him to know that you know he's, that's not necessary. And what did, how did he respond? He hung up. He hung up? No, I'm kidding. No, it was a phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. He Click, said, I am a piece of shit. Click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, can you imagine? And there's me going, oh, just lost another magazine thing. Yeah. But it was a drug yep. thing, you know, because I get a lot of these questions about drugs and all of that because I did a lot of them and haven't for a long time. So people want to know how you do it. And you never relapsed. No, huh? fuck no. And, and I got sober in 81 where there's no rehabs. It wasn't a career move, you know. That's wild that you never relapsed. I know, it's crazy. Because at, like I find as like I evolve, like I'm more like, sometimes I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if I could get away with it now that I've like changed a little bit. And every time the answer is no, I cannot. <laughs> by the way, so just spoiler alert. I think <laughs> you it, already knew that, I guess. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> but what's important, you know, for me is to realize that I could. Yeah. You what? I could. I just choose not to. Yeah. You know. I mean, if you're satisfied with what's happening, like I am right now with you guys. Mm-hmm. 
Why, why would I change that? Why mess with it? So if you're accepting of everything you're doing and you're loving what you do, why would you change something you're loving to do into something that was an experiment? Mm -hmm. I have had enough well, experiments. People do that all the time. They well, have, yes, they well, have the perfect life and then they go and do something stupid and just fuck it all up. Yeah, that's pretty much a, a precise description <laughs> of, yeah. of, of humanity, and it's got to change. And I think the reasons that we're going through what we're going through right now with the Orange Monster is that um, it, now's the time. Now's the time to gird your loins, as they would say in the Bible, you know. And now's the time to be aware of your, your fellow man and woman and brother and sister and mm. not. People say, oh, I can't watch the news. I can't. I just can't do it. It's just too awful. Mm. Well, now's the fucking time to watch the news mm. and to vote and to make you know yourself heard in every way you can in terms of peace and love and, and respecting your fellow man and woman and every fucking color and every sex. And if you're not on that tip, then... Hallelujah. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. So the time is now for uh, a spiritual revolution. Don't you think that's happening? Like, don't yes. you think humanity's like, I, I feel like humanity's like, blossoming yes. right now well like, I, I you know with your work and what you're doing is a classic uh, symbolizes on social media yeah. that you are talking to people running you along well, with your camera yeah. down here which is a terrible angle yeah um, <laughs> and, take notes and, and, i know i know you know but that's okay um you know you could get one of those japanese things where yeah. you hold it up like this you know with my parents you know but anyway apart yeah. from that clearly you care and um and those people are growing and uh, the the reason i think for that is because uh it's so necessary yeah. And if you have half a fucking soul, yeah. that half will become the other half. Yeah, but even like, uh, like, remember when the internet first started, there's lots more like people like taking shots at each other. I feel like now, like if you make a post or if I make a post or if people make posts a lot, of, there's, then there's all these comments that are so supportive. I like, think we I are very you, exceptional. You, you know, like, we are exceptional. You get, you are loved out there. You are. I am loved out there. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I always respond. Mm -hmm. I respond to everyone. Yeah. I don't just respond to people with a little fucking asterisk next to their name. Mm -hmm. yeah, I respond too. to Heather, Amy, mm -hmm. Charles, Robert, you know, Ehu. Ehu, yeah. Whoever. Yeah. You, asterisks. How much of you, your day does that take up? Oh, my God, I do it in seconds. Oh. I'm so fast at that. Mm. If it comes in and I'm there, boom. I respond. I mean, it didn't take any. In fact, it is a practice of uh, of communication. You know, social media is what you make it, like everything else. Yeah. He made a choice to not come. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, it's you. It's up to you. What am I going to do? You know, are you going to wear those boots or not? Are you going to fall in love? Are you going to dance? Are you? You know, it's your choice. It's my choice to communicate. Mm. And I'm a good communicator. And I, I, I communicate what is the best part of me. Now, does social media allow you to put a filter on your soul? Mm -hmm. Yes. You can, you know, here I am in Paris. Mm -hmm. Here I am in Greece. Here I am in the front row of the stones. Here I am with my all-access bags. 
you, you're creating an image. I despise all of that. Mm. But that's my life. I do have an all-access fucking badge. I was in Paris. Mm -hmm. I do drive a fucking Lamborghini. You know? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So what am I going to do? Not show who I am? Right. And yet... I've got to a point <laughs> where people don't go, you fucking show off, mm. you know. I got to look up your Instagram account while you guys are talking. Cause he was impressed that I knew you. He was like, how do you know him? I was like, I didn't, you know. It's, it's funny, man. I was in, I had lunch with Laurie Majewski, the great DJ on Sirius XM volume. Mm -hmm. Brilliant woman. Great, great. She just saw Twigs. Do you know Twigs, the artist? Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. And just incredible artist. And Laurie was just weeping, talking about how great she was. Because mm. she was the only journalist to go and see her gig and then talk about it the next day on the radio. And I thought, well, that's commitment. But I'm sitting in the restaurant and waitresses come up and says, my mom, you know, my mother really loves you so much. And then another one is going, you know, that band you were in was this... A, and I'm thinking, fucking hell, man. I'm sitting in this restaurant. All this is happening. You know? And it's an incredible feeling. It doesn't feed my ego or anything. Mm. It just makes me proud. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Of what's gone down. Because I'm not Mick Jagger. You know? And I'm not Sting. And I'm not Rod. But I seem to have created some kind of a vibe out there. Man, for sure. It's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. So you stayed in LA. You had the, the 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 that from the tiger on. Did you just decide to stay in LA, or did you go? What happened then? Well, what happened was I came there in '72. I've been married three weeks to Wendy, who I alluded to earlier, who's a brilliant writer now and and scientist, incredible. Uh, five kids, um, but I f met Miss Pamela mm -hmm. in New York. Oh, I okay. met her right here. We did a movie together. Keith Moon had been cast to play a rock star. He jumped out of a window and went missing. Mm. The agents and producers needed somebody who was in town. I just got lucky. Silverhead, we were here playing. We had a couple of gigs here and, and um, opening for Kiss. And uh, I think, or maybe they were opening for us, actually. Really? So, yeah, I remember I'm standing with Thunders and we're smoking Angel Dust. Johnny Thunders? And the drums, the drums are going up. And I'm going. Smoking angel dust with Johnny Thunders? Yeah. Casually. Watching, watching. As one does As with one. Johnny Thunders. No, you got to here yeah. and there. What's watching. angel dust like? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I didn't know people voluntarily smoked that. Oh, yeah. I always thought that was something that accidentally happened on a joint. And made you, oh, like, no. I, it just beat yeah. up 20 but the, cops. But the drum kit went up, and, and we're going, this is not happening. Is this happening? <laughs> Johnny, Johnny. Johnny. And, uh, yeah. And um, and I, I met Miss P, and uh, and I saw her from behind, and she had like a Betty Grable swimsuit on, you know, mm -hmm. that one piece forties thing. That's it, mm -hmm. which is what the GTOs used to wear. Just was hanging out in a swimsuit. No, she's night. the star of the movie. Yeah. It was a oh. Warhol movie. Oh, okay. So we were, you were in a Warhol movie. Yeah. Which that, one? It was cool. I can't remember the fucking name of it. It's amazing. Uh, one of the one of the many, mm -hmm. and it was pro uh, directed by Chuck Wine, mm -hmm. who just done Jimmy in in Hawaii. And uh, and uh, she she was on the set, and I saw her from behind. I'd been married for three weeks to someone else. Unbelievable. And I fell in love with Pamela right there, bang. And because she represented America. Yeah. And I fell in love with America right then. Yeah. 
with her ass. Yeah, I can understand. And that. she turns uh, over her shoulder, <laughs> and I, you know, and I've been up for three days and oh weighed nineteen God. pounds. <laughs> you know what I mean? And half of that was platform shoes. <laughs> so you weighed eight pounds. Basically. I weighed eight pounds. <laughs> I had such a difficulty getting clothes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Clothes for an eight-pound person. Yeah, that's very, tough. very difficult. Yeah, you have to have them tailored. Well, we went to an animal. Um, so we went to a pet store, <laughs> and we got like the you know the trousers mice yeah, wear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we got some mice trousers. So what did you? Uh, what did you? T- <laughs> mouse trousers. That's a band name right there. Mouse trousers. Ladies and gentlemen, mouse trousers. <laughs> Thank you. What did you tell the wife then? Like, it was horrible how did, how did and it was it awful and it was the worst thing ever. Yeah. Because I was so young, I was so in love with her. Mm-hmm. We got we've been together since we were sixteen, and we've been uh. together like five years. Now I come to America and I meet Miss P, and I go, mm-hmm. I can't. And what I would do was avoid the phone calls, and then she would call the clubs, and oh, they'd no. go, and they'd, we'd be doing sound check, and they'd go, Michael, for God's sake, and you somebody says, it. your wife from England, yeah. and I'd back away like some pissant, mm. and I hated it. And eventually, when when went back to England, and um, you know had to deal with that, and it was awful. Mm. It was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And I only recently made amends. This documentary's coming out on me soon. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, great. What's that called? Who do you want me to be? That's awesome. Yeah. That's a good title. I got a picture of the poster. You want to see who, it? Yeah. Who who directed? Josh it? Weinstein, the the comedian writer. He created. I like the um, title. Lot, he created a lot of interesting things, uh, freaks and geeks. You know, with Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm. But there's a that wonderful a million uh, careers, freaks and geeks. Yeah, you want to get a close up? Yeah. Who do you want me to be? Wow, fantastic! It's great. Put it in the camera. There you go. That's it. Who do you want me to be? Yeah, I mean, it seems appropriate. Yeah. Because of all of the different things. Yeah, you're but but she, you know, so what happened was to answer your question about the first wife is that she, he got hold of her. Mm-hmm. to talk about our lives together, oh, okay. our life, the brief life together. And uh, and I got to know her again, and, you know, because we hadn't communicated in all those decades. Mm. And, um, you know, it was an amazing thing. I mean, doing that documentary, man, whew, that's, that takes it out of you. Why? Because it's like a whole look back on your whole yeah, life. Yeah, you got to think about yourself and go to, you know, I, but I never looked at it. I just did interviews with him. Got his arms. He's ripped. Definitely, he's Pilati monster. But the whole vibe about that is, is that um, I never looked at it. I never looked at it. The five years that it's taken to make. Yeah, it's like the it's like the ultimate fourth step. Perfect. Right. Perfect. And the fourth step for your listeners is, is the well. Why do you describe it? It's uh, when you take an inventory of everything that happens in your life, yeah. and then the fifth is making an amends, right? Is yeah. That right. Yeah. 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 And, so and was and it like a big fourth step? That uh, no, no, no. It was like a big step into the immortality. Mm. <laughs> but it was emotionally exhausting. It spans your entire life. Yeah. But there's a lot there, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, shooting at Clint Eastwood, and I'm grappling with Johnny Depp, and I'm, you know, and I'm singing with Live Aid, and I'm doing all these things, these amazing things. And when you see them one after another, 
And again, I'm not Sting. You know, I am not that you know rock and roll Hall of Famer guy. But I've worked my entire life since I was a child mm-hmm. uh, at various things, and uh, and 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 it's recounted right here. And it is a quest to find out who the fuck I am, and there are answers in there. Yeah. How did Live Aid come about? Amazing. I'm in Texas. Yeah. With Don Johnson, my my friend. Miami Vice. Yes. Sonny Crockett. Mm. And he's making a movie. I'd just written Obsession. It was 1985. And it was number one all over the world. And I went to see him because we were living in his house in Santa Monica, me and Miss Pamela. What happened was he, he did 11 pilots. The 11th pilot was called Miami Vice. He leaves his house in Santa Monica. We move into the house, me and Pamela mm-hmm. and our kid. He goes to Miami and does Miami Vice. This is how long I've known the guy. And I get a call in Texas when he's making this movie, a Paul Newman movie remake. I can't remember the name of it. Michael, this is Wayne Forte. Do you know who that is? No. Very famous promoter in New York. Oh, okay. Because it's a band that needs a singer. Power station. Band that needs a singer this summer. What are you doing? I said, I, what band? <laughs> and he goes, I can't tell you. I go, oh, you know, how enticing Exciting. is that? He Very. said, there is a ticket for you at the airport to come to New York check into the Carlisle Hotel and come to my office mm-hmm. tomorrow. Will you do that? I'd just broken up with Check It Pass, the band with Jonesy and Clem and so on. Mm. Uh, and I, I knew you were in a band with Feeling Jonesy. great. Yeah, yes. He was the guitar player in Check It Pass. Wow. And we wrote a lot of songs together over the years, and I love him. And, you and guys I are good f- friends? I love Steve, yeah. Yeah. Steve's a genius. I love him, too. I love Jonesy's jukebox. He's not doing it anymore. No? No. Why not? He's, uh, he's, he doesn't want to. Oh, okay. Um, so we go to New- I, go, I fly to New York. I go into an office. In the office is John Taylor and Tony Thompson, mm-hmm. both very nervous. They have a six-month tour booked. The album's number three. Mm. Robert Palmer said, no, I'm not touring. I can't tour. Because the audience is 20, 30, 40, 60, 80,000 young girls, mm-hmm. topless. Mm-hmm. I can do that. 80,000 young topless girls. It's the title of my autobiography. <laughs> or oh. oh, eight pounds. I don't know. Mm-hmm. One of the two. So there mouse, is, so mouse I'm trousers. In, yeah. <laughs> mouse trousers. <laughs> the tails. Um, so he, they're sitting there looking like really fucked up because what are they going to do? They're going to tour book six mm-hmm. months. Why couldn't Robert Palmer do it? Because he didn't. Because have you seen? I mean, have you seen? His stage act, I will now impersonate the dearly departed, brilliant Robert Palmer. He's brilliant. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Liam is like similar. Like, Dude, you know, that was then. This is yeah, now. Yeah. That was Duran. Mm-hmm. Duran. The audiences in the 80s mm-hmm. for Duran Duran made yeah. the Beatles look like James Taylor. Right. Come on. Yeah. It was unbelievable, they man. They had right. the Taylors and they had Simon. Forget it about it. Like they were so, so, <laughs> yeah. they were so popular they were and, 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 and they could yeah. be expressive. Beatles fans were still trying to find out what fandom meant. Yeah. You know, but uh, by then they knew. So there they are. So we go to the record plant. Of course not. We go to the power station studio, mm-hmm. take the vocals off. I take the cassette. I get on the Concord. I fly to London, same day. Mm. 
to be auditioned by Andy Taylor, the mm. guitar player. I go, I check into the Dorchester. I go directly to the studio, haven't slept in two days. And you're listening to the cassette the whole time and just singing. Get it on. Yeah. You know the way Robert Palmer says, you hear that intonation? Mm -hmm. Get it on. Bang, I'm going to get it on. He's down here. And I'm not, whoa, yeah, I'm up there. He's going to get it on. Bang, I'm going to get it on. So it's all very intimate, completely the opposite to me, mm -hmm. you know. But I get his voice, I get the intonation, I go to the studio, I wait for Andy Taylor, eight hours. Little guy walks in, two bodyguards, billowing in marijuana smoke. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I've set it all up. I've got the verse, I've got the chorus, got it all set up, get on, get it on. I go, he goes, all right then, uh, go on then. He, he hits the button, mm -hmm. I sing, you know, you're dirty sweet and you're my girl, you know. T-Rex. T-Rex, and he, he stops the thing and he goes, let's go shopping. <laughs> Look, I went shopping. Mouse trousers. <laughs> I, I, I went to Vivian Westwood. I got 20,000 pounds worth of fucking clothes. Ugh, I'm jealous. I want to do that. Vivian Westwood. At that time, <laughs> yeah. not so much now, but at that time, it was yeah, all the pirate thing sick. and just fabulous. And I got cloaks and frilly, everything. And um, I got in the Concord and came back mm -hmm. to New York, checked into the Carlisle. Uh, that night when you were in the hotel that night were you just trying on outfit after outfit well i do that anyway yeah. <laughs> um yeah, i do that every night of my life yeah. but so we're in the Carlisle, and don's in, in in new york so we go to dinner to celebrate i think it was mr Ch not mr chas niswas chinois was a very famous 80s you know elitist chinese food restaurant and we're eating John is over here in another table, John Taylor. Uh -huh. And I haven't seen them since I've done this whole Concord routine. Yeah. So John Taylor's over here, me and Donna here. People are going wild, which is fucking Sonny Crockett and mm -hmm. John, you know. Yeah. And I'm in the middle with you know, Vivian Westwood coat with the mm -hmm. things. And I, I get a call in the restaurant. This is absolutely true. I go to the phone, they go, you're out. Oh, really? Robert's going to do the tour. Ah, so sorry, man. Bummer. So sorry. You can keep the clothes. You, uh, you that keep was my next question. Of course like, it was. Can I keep the fucking clothes? Of course it was. <laughs> you can keep the clothes. Keep the clothes. I go back. This is all true. Not, nothing of this is made up. I put the phone down. Mm -hmm. I go back to the table. I say, DJ, I'm out. Mm. He goes, oh, yeah. Gets up. Goes over to John Taylor. Says, can I have a word with you? Mm. They go outside, they talk for 10 minutes, they come back and say a word to me. Don doesn't say a word to me. We end the night, I get back in the limo, I go to the hotel. I look at all these clothes spread out of the, the, the most beautiful hotel in the world mm -hmm. that give you yellow roses and a croissant in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. I get into bed, I go to sleep. 8 a.m., phone rings, you're back in. Mm. You're back in, and you can certainly keep the clothes. Yeah, you're back in, and but I you say, have to give the I clothes say, back. Yeah, I <laughs> say, why, why, why? What happened? He figured it out, Robert, that because of my stage impersonation and because of the atmosphere, he's, a, he's Marvin Gaye, mm -hmm. you know? He was literally, I knew him for years before this. Singer, Vinegar singer. Joe yeah. with Elkie Brooks. It was like an I Can See It. It's kind of R&B, Delaney mm -hmm. Bonnie vibe, you know? 
Yeah. And I knew him. I sang with him a thousand times, way before the power station. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't any acrimony between us at right. all. Mm-hmm. In fact, quite the reverse. You know, I loved him. And he didn't want to perform in front of an audience like that. He didn't mm-hmm. feel that he could do it justice or he could go from left to right and right to left and up and down and get them, let me hear you say yeah, and let me hear for Andy Taylor, well, let me hear for, you know. Yeah. He had his own vibe. Mm-hmm. Me, I'm a ringmaster, I, you know, yeah. And, um, but he got a big piece of the merch. Mm. And that's how they did it. My manager at the time, Danny Goldberg, figured it out, how Danny to do Goldberg. it. Danny you Goldberg, know. he managed me for a second too. Yeah. We're going to have a podcast for the yeah. next month. Yeah, I love him. He's my brother, and I love him. You know, I mean, he's been through a lot too, and and we've all been through a lot. Um, but he yeah, he loves you. You're like part of the family. Oh yeah, I'm godfather of the children. That's right. You know, but um, he, and I, I love them. I remember both. he when he managed me. Like I, you came up, and he was like, "Yeah, that's my best friend." Mm. Yeah, I, I, I got a lot of that. good friends, you know, yeah. and and he's uh, I adore him, and he worked the deal out with Robert's people and. You know, I started rehearsals, um, and then we were told there's this show um, at uh, JFK Stadium mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, and it's called Live Aid, and Bob Geldof at the Boomtown Rats has put it together, and, and the artists are as follows, Dylan, the Stones, Tina, not Stones, Mick, uh, Keith and Mick with Tina and so on. And that was in a week. I had to learn 30 songs in a week, mm-hmm. including their album, and that's all they had. So they did a session. We did it in my songs, did about six or eight songs that I'd written, and we did Dancing in the Streets, and we did a number of other covers, you know. And it, and we were going to live at second gig, mm. the biggest gig in history, yeah. and it was the second gig for me, and I'd had a week rehearsal. Can you imagine? That's incredible. No nerves. No nerves? None. Did you know the scope of what it was going to be that big or not? Everything is that big to me. But I mean, it, it, there was no way you could conceive of that because mm-hmm. two billion people watched it. What so did Don Johnson say? He interviewed us. He, he introduced us. No, but when he found what out did you he lost. Say? Good yeah, for you. What? You're a good interviewer. You remember things. <laughs> um, there's nobody it, like Mikey. Uh-huh. Essentially. Yeah. And if you want that crowd to go fucking crazy mm-hmm. and you want to keep them engaged and not just play songs, then the only way you're going to do that is with him. Because mm-hmm. Robert is a whole other different kind of artist. Mm-hmm. He's a sophisticated, he's in a suit and tie, and this guy's going to come on in a G string, and I think they'll like that better. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But, but he's so incredibly uh, sincere and funny and seductive, mm-hmm. Don Johnson. He's one of the great artists, you know, amazing actor and a good friend. And John, in his sort of haze, so that's, yeah, I never thought of it quite that way. Mm. And boom, you know. Wow. Twist so of fate. Had... Now, a week after Live Aid, we go right to Miami and do Miami Vice. And we do Get It On on Miami Vice. Oh, which really? you can see on YouTube anytime you want. And, they go, and John goes, we got a new singer. And he goes, uh-huh, I know. Sonny Crockett in the show. Yeah. That's amazing. We got to uh, look that up. The Don Johnson Maybe. connection. Is that why Melanie Griffith was one of your videos? Yeah. When I got out of the power station, um, and I, to be frank with you, I was pretty glad I did, you know, because it wasn't my kind of music. It's mm-hmm. funky R&B, kind of like soul chic kind of thing, you know. Andy's a rock and roll guitar player, 
but it was horns and stuff and i i, I like guitars bass drums you know and uh and you know raspy More vocals blues yeah rock yeah and uh and so i did this record and uh, and you know we all shall we say in those days it was a certain family vibe you know mm. and melanie did the video i watched that i bet you did <laughs> did you ever meet mark Bolin? yeah oh yeah yeah sure got stoned with him and you were you were friends with iggy pop too I love iggy you? yeah yeah I mean, those two people, I think, really sum up a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark was the real thing, and you know, he he was a little actor, a model. You know, yeah. he modeled for things and wore muddy clothes and did that whole thing and had John's Children, which was a mod band. You know, somewhat Shell Tommy ish and The Who and all of that, and but didn't go anywhere. Hair grew, drugs were taken. Tolkien was red. Electric Warrior happened. And Electric Warrior happened in 71 and with uh, Visconti. One of the greatest records ever made. You know. yeah. Simple, but Visconti. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta really, if you really are hard pressed to find out who's the guy, mm -hmm. I would say, certainly at that time with David, you know. Yeah. Bowie. The drum sounds on Electric Warrior. Crazy. Just, I love it. But his guitar sounds. Yeah. I mean, but he loved... Uh, you know, he loved Carl Perkins and all of that. Mark. Yeah. He very rockabilly. Loved it all, Elvis and all of that. But it was uh, this wonderful language that he created. He Warlock of Love, the book of poems, came out before the records. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. He was writing... Poetry. Way before he became a rock star, a glitter rock star. Yeah. And all of that came from his girl, you know, just put my, do that, yeah. and then it, boom. Yeah. T-Rexacy. Short-lived. And... Um, just to bring it back to here, like you, you have a relationship ongoing now that's like survived for how long? Like with with who? With your current with partner. With my, my partner Britta, we've been together uh, ten years. We got married a year ago, December twenty first, Winter Solstice. Thank you. Yeah. Never been happier. And she's a Pilates instructor. She's a Pilates instructor and also a horticulturalist. She has a degree in plant science. Interesting. So all of our land, you know, the garden and everything is all. We grow our own vegetables and, you know, you to do it and you must come over when you come to L.A. I will. And she is an inspiration on a daily basis. How did you meet her? Um, we did a tribute to Scott Walker. Oh, okay. And John Doe and uh, Exine and, and Fitz was, and the Tantrums. she was a singer as well? No. She was running the club. Mm. Um, she loves music. So she ran these clubs for this guy, Scott Sterling, who had a bunch of clubs in L.A. 10 years ago. And I emceed it, and the sun ain't gonna shine. I did that, and mm. other artists did, you know, the Scott Walker, because Scott Walker is one of the great, great artists. Inspired uh, Bowie, Scott Inspired Walker. Bowie, in the yeah. baritone, you know, yeah. when the voice is lower, like Morrison. Like, you sometimes sing down there. Mm -hmm. um, and there she was, and again, you know, had a cigarette, and I walked by, and I was smoking in those days, and, and it was instantaneous. So like, I believe it always is. I know it can happen in different ways, love, mm -hmm. but I just thought, oh, my goodness me, this is great. And, no bathing and suit needed. No bathing suit. Black coat. And then we fell in love, and we've been together ever since. And what's the secret to making it last? The secret to making love last is never to ask yourself that question. Okay, sorry. 
<laughs> you know, because then you're don't putting think about it. then you're thinking about potential limitation. Mm. So I don't do that. Yeah. I just get up and there she is. Yeah, you just live in the moment. I think I do, you know. Yeah. To great to a great extent. I've got to the position now where I'm when as an actor I don't learn the lines. No. I have people write them. Off camera, obviously. And I I like just cue cards? I just read them. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I am not gonna walk around my hotel in Atlanta and go and you will never outlive no. And you will never outlive me. Right. No. I will never do that. Right. And I found that if I just have the words and or I'll get somebody to feed me the lines. Just being in the moment. Yeah, because then you don't know you know, your mother's dead. Mm. How would you react? Right. How would you re you know, I mean I don't know. It probably wouldn't be a reaction. Right. You know, you just look at him and be unable to but people forget that. Your mother said, <laughs> No, my mom. Yeah. There's no reality there, you know. Yeah. So you're thinking about it. So I found if I do that or I get an earpiece or something and they feed it to me and I'll say it. But, but remember that I do stupid shit. You know, I'm killing people on telly. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's not stupid shit, but it's not, you know, Godard. Right. So. Yeah. And that's just so I don't have preconceptions. No, you know, I love her and... We have these cats and these flowers and our beautiful home and there's n no questions need to be asked. Right. That's great. I think so. Yeah. I wish it on everyone. You know, I hope everyone could be. Do we have the, uh, you know, spats? Of course we do. Yeah. You know, if the TV's too loud or, you know, it's, uh, the silliest things. Yeah. But we know that they're the silliest things. So. Right. It doesn't become... A source of inner, you know, resentment. Yeah. And we bring shit up if something's not working. You know, it's not. You know, you say so. Yeah, it's just like finding somebody that's actually for you. That's not going to be yeah. envious of you getting some light shined on you or something like oh, that. Oh God! You know that. Well, she'd have shit. a hard time, wouldn't she? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not. It's uh, she don't care about that. She's proud of me. You know? mm Hmm. Even if I write a, a dumb song. Actually, the truth is, she'd say, that's a dumb song. Mm -hmm. Now, that's love, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not your best. She'd right. probably put it that way. Saying it like it is. <laughs> Saying it like it is. <laughs> right. What do, you, do you like living in L.A.? Yeah. You love it? Love it. Yeah. What do you like about it? Well, I like, about, I like what I liked about it 40 years ago is not what I like about it now. What'd what I liked about, about it, it then yeah. was I was constantly working for 20, 30 years as an actor and writing songs and touring and so on, you know, making movies. And then we moved to Pasadena. Pasadena is not L.A. Mm. L.A. is pretty horrible, really. Hollywood, yeah. you know. It's packed. Yeah. It's impossible to get anywhere, park anywhere. And the homeless situation. The is homeless situation is something that's very close to my heart, as you, as you know. Yeah. I formed this thing called Street Hearts, and mm -hmm. I'm very active in that. And what's gonna, that about? It's about raising fucking money and awareness for the kids. Uh, you know, because any bridge you go under in L.A., yeah. there's it's a ten cities, yeah. right? So, and it's now every city. It, we just went to New Orleans for a few days, just to have a, you know, just to get away from it all, and it was the same there. 
And that's where I had the idea of creating this thing, Street Hearts, which I'd love you to be a part of. You'd be perfect. I would love to do and it. And we're going to do, a, um, you know, put a whole show together, which you will play at. I would love to. And uh, and and money and awareness, man. You know, on a Bob Geldof level, there we'll do it. You know, because I think rock and roll musicians are dying for a cause. Absolutely. You know, they want to be part of something. Absolutely. Not just fame and fortune. No. It's ridiculous. No, uh, the whole point is like, the, I feel best when I feel like I'm actually offering something up to anyone. Well, that's why when you you're painting I mean? and playing, who else has done that? Yeah. Nobody's ever done that. Yeah. Where you're actually giving them this, giving them that. Yeah. It's all just absolutely giving this gift that you've been given yeah. back again. That's all it is. Yeah. So if you can make that work in a industrial way yeah. which would be getting those tents off the streets and getting houses and getting housing right. for the homeless that that's the yeah. ultimate isn't it i would absolutely the ultimate applause would be no tents yeah Ooh, that's great what makes you the happiest um lately my cat <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm deadly serious my yeah. cat on my lap yeah. Every morning I get up at like four thirty, you know. Really? Every 4 morning. Four thirty. Yep. Damn. And, and I I go to the gym, you know, and I come back, and I I put a blanket on me. I'm just drinking water and doing all the th stuff and preparing my show. Yeah, the radio show. Yeah. yeah. Cat on my lap. Read what I gotta do. Because I do these features, crossroads, every different artist every day, week. I do one artist and I talk about them every day. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it goes up on soundcloud.com, Underground Garage, if you mm -hmm. want to see it. This week it's Lou Reed. Next week it's Amazing. Keith Moon. Yeah. And I got I the cat Lou. and I think, uh, I know you do. And he loves you. Yeah. Um, and I think I thought about you while I was doing it. It's on right oh, now. You can cool. listen. You can check it in. I will definitely you know, do Over that. the weekend. Soundcloud.com, Underground Garage. Yeah. Michael DeBar. Lou Reed, I broke him down all week, talked about everything, all of it. Laurie, clearly, Tai Chi, all of it. Yeah, Tai Chi. Not just the obvious. Yeah. Um, wow, he influenced everybody. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Were you friends with him? You know, and he wore black. Oh, really? And Warhol wrote Vicious. Yes, indeed. Got it. Mm. So I never deal with the obvious. Mm. I'll always go for the person. But that takes a lot of research sometimes, you know. Yeah. A lot of the people I knew <laughs> or know. Yeah. Um, uh, but a lot of gone. Did you know Lou? I met him several times. Yeah. With Iggy, you know. And yeah. uh, that whole scene, Maxis. Yeah. But that's all gone. Yeah. That doesn't exist. That that whole world, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't exist. And he knew it then, to be honest. Mm. You know. Yeah, as soon as he documented it, it was over. Yeah. As soon as what? As soon as he documented it yeah. and wrote about it, yeah. it was over. Right. Vicious, you hit me with a flower. The minute that was recorded, that era had ended because right. it was stamped. Yeah, it was documented, so it's history. Mm -hmm. And he knew it. That's why he made the metal, you know, the, that metal machine. Yeah, he made that record that mm -hmm. as a gesture, which I found so cool. Mm. Yeah, even even to the very end. I mean, like his album uh, Lulu with Metallica. Oh, yeah, he got slated for that. Yeah, and. It's, that's ridiculous it's, 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 and it's brilliant it's yeah, brilliant who's it's like, doing the slating i know but like so so like his exit was to be slated like that Perfect. you know it's like how of, else would he go out yeah you I know guess so 
but I mean, you know, he is. Well, he's specific. He's specific. I mean, mm -hmm. there's only a handful. You know, and he's one of those handful, and I try and deal with those handfuls in my show Crossroads on mm -hmm. Stevens Underground Grind Series. I'm Channel Twenty One. I think I'm done. I mean, I w I could talk to you both. No, for we could weeks. talk, but yeah, we know you're on a time limit. We, yeah, did, yeah. we did push it to earlier to yeah, get, no, to this get has more been out fantastic. of you. And uh, so, you, so that's your meditation, basically. The cat, the cat preparing the show, preparing the show. What I'm what I'm trying to achieve though is that nothing is important. And everything is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I suppose leaving you with that non sequitur is interesting. Mm -hmm. So just think about that for a second. Everything is important and nothing is important. And I love you with all my heart. I love you too. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, Michael. You're a great, great person, man. It's, I really appreciate you gracing us. I'm, I'm sincere about that. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.